0: Welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're looking at the case of Lee and Asher's Baking Company Limited, and the citation for this case is 2018 UKSC 49. And for those of you who have already subscribed to my email newsletter, you will have already read some of my views on this case when I reacted to it at the time. The proceedings were significant and became known as the Gay Cake case, as it involved religious business owners refusing to serve homosexuals. The business in question is Ashes Baking, which is owned by a Mr and Mrs MacArthur. The couple have a strong religious belief as Christians that, in accordance with biblical teachings, a marriage should only exist between a man and a woman. Such is their right and the freedom of belief, but an issue arose when their personal beliefs interacted with their commercial enterprise. One of the services offered by Ashes Baking was the opportunity to build a cake, which is fairly common amongst bakers and simply allows the customer to have a personalised image or inscription placed onto the icing. In 2014, one customer, Mr Lee, was helping out an event in support of same-sex marriage in Northern Ireland and wanted a cake for the occasion. He went to Ashes and shared the image that he wanted on the cake which was of Sesame Street characters Bert and Ernie, alongside the words, Support Gay Marriage. While Mrs MacArthur did originally take the order, she then later told him that there was simply no way that she could bake such a cake in good conscience and therefore offered a full refund. The claim brought by Mr Lee alleged that he had been subjected to direct and indirect discrimination on grounds of sexual orientation in contravention of the Equality Act, Sexual Orientation Regulations, Northern Ireland 2006, as well as, or alternatively, on grounds of religious belief or political opinion, in contravention of the Fair Employment and Treatment, Northern Ireland Order 1998. Mr Lee's case was supported by the Equality Commission for Northern Ireland, and at first instance it was held that there had been direct discrimination on all counts. Ashes appealed the case to the Northern Ireland Court of Appeal and presented an interesting argument of their own that stated the legislation we just mentioned was itself incompatible with the European Convention on Human Rights. The upshot of this was that the Court of Appeal served a devolution notice and accompanying notice of incompatibility on the Attorney-General, who then became a party to the proceedings as well. Ultimately, this made very little difference to the outcome of the case, as the Court of Appeal held that there had been direct discrimination on grounds of sexual orientation, and that the 2006 regulations did not need to be interpreted to take into account the rights of the MacArthurs Before the case then came to the Supreme Court, there was another legal point raised only days after the Court of Appeal's dismissal of Asher's appeal, as the Attorney-General for Northern Ireland required the Court of Appeal to make a reference to the Supreme Court. The basis for this lies in paragraph 33 of Schedule 10 to the Northern Ireland Act 1998, as there was a question that related to devolution. The problem was that by this time the case was already over, so it was the opinion of the Court of Appeal that they did not have the power to do this. As a separate action, therefore, the Attorney General himself made two references to the Supreme Court under paragraph 34 whereby the first related to the validity of the Northern Ireland legislation as regards devolution, and the second asked whether the Court of Appeal should in fact have made the reference itself in the first place. The justices had to deal with all of this, and now unfortunately so do we, but I think we can clear up the questions around jurisdiction first of all, as that is probably the less central aspect of this case. The Supreme Court found that the Court of Appeal was wrong in its stance to reject the reference from the Attorney General, as the proceedings had not been officially completed. Technically, the appeal is against the order and not the judgment itself, so these proceedings were still live as the parties were waiting for the order to actually be issued. Anyway, back to the substantive question at the heart of this case, and the starting point was the finding by the district judge that the refusal on the part of Asher's Bakery was not because of the actual or perceived sexual orientation of Mr. Lee himself, but rather the very nature of the order. In other words, on the facts of the case, the problem was not with Mr. Lee being gay, but rather the message that he was seeking to promote on the cake. This is an important distinction, as that message did not necessarily have to originate from someone who is gay, or even perceived as gay. For example, I am straight but would definitely consider myself a supporter of gay marriage. If someone had asked me to sort out that cake for an event then I would certainly have done so, but presumably Asher's baking would still have objected to baking the cake because of the message. In the end then, it cannot be said that Mr Lee was personally discriminated against on the grounds of his own sexual orientation. A rather similar point can be made when it comes to discussing direct discrimination, on the basis of religious belief or political opinion. Because the problem was with the message and not the messenger, so to speak, the justices held that this was not analogous to the typical form of discrimination where a person is, for example, not given a job because of their faith or political view. One possible counterargument to this is that the message and the political views of Mr. Lee in favour of same-sex marriage are not really separable, and should be considered one and the same thing. As a result of this, it is also necessary to consider the human rights of Asher's Baking, and its owner the MacArthur's, in the context of this case, and, more generally, the relevant Northern Ireland legislation. The articles of the Convention that need to be examined are Article 9, Freedom of Thought, Conscience and Religion, and Article 10, Freedom of Expression. And The justices noted that an important aspect of these rights is not being obliged to manifest any particular belief that one does not have. This means that while it would be illegal to refuse to serve Mr Lee on the basis of his homosexuality, or even his views on gay marriage, it is not illegal for Mr and Mrs MacArthur to refuse to supply a cake when they virulently disagree with the message. Meanwhile the Northern Irish legislation is perfectly acceptable from a devolution point of view and should simply continue to be read in such a way that it is compatible with the human rights as they have been interpreted in the case law. Overall my views on this case in a broad political sense have not really changed much since the decision back in October. At the time I compared the situation with an invitation to treat And while that certainly had a few holes in it, I think the general principle remained that a business owner should be free to run their business as they choose. That was not steeped in a view that the actions of the MacArthur's were right or above bigotry simply because they are small business owners. Let's be honest, they are wrong and any religious justification deserves only very short shrift indeed. Instead, this is an economic argument that takes its grounding in the free market and the principles of liberalism generally. In other words, sure, you have the freedom to run your business in the way that you choose, but don't then be surprised when customers start to boycott your business because of your regressive social attitudes. Amongst libertarian circles, this can be seen as a little bit of a facetious argument because you can imagine that against larger corporations such as Amazon and Facebook, it would be much harder to effect a boycott. But I don't think that that negates the importance of the political and financial pressure that can be exerted against companies, especially in today's digital age where social media allows such campaigns to gain quick traction. I could rehash this further, but I think you get the idea, and I do also want to use this opportunity in the podcast to talk about the case itself in more detail. For many, this case was not the monumental human rights decision that it could have been, because of the focus on the message written on the cake, rather than the personal characteristics of Mr Lee, the customer. Before the Supreme Court, there was some attempt to conflate the political view regarding gay marriage with Mr Lee himself, but that never really took off. That was a shame because it allowed the Supreme Court to avoid a riskier, but more impactful decision about who can and cannot be served by a private enterprise. There was a strong hint that any direct discrimination would fall foul of equality legislation, but for the time being that remains obiter, and any subsequent case would have to look at the facts and reevaluate the law in relation to that particular situation. Personally, I wonder if the court would make that final leap, as it would be controversial to do so, although it could be softened if the analogy with direct discrimination in employment holds up and is accepted more generally. That brings us back around to the original political question that we started the discussion with, and in particular whether we need the government to step in and adjust trade terms for voluntary deals that are struck between private parties. Alright folks, that's class Dismiss for today. I think I will begin with the 2019 Supreme Court cases as soon as they start later this month, as we have covered most of the key cases from 2018 now, And although we have missed some out, it is always difficult to cover them all in a weekly podcast, um, especially when there are more than 52 in a year. Anyway, if you think there is an important case from the back end of 2018 that you would like me to cover, then drop me an email at contact at uklawweekly.com. That's contact at uklawweekly.com. And I will try and do a bonus episode sometime for you. I'll speak to you next week, but for now, bye. bye.